You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. In 2022, Team Milk came together by sponsoring female marathon runners for the marathon in New York City. Today, they're more than 20,000 strong. In 2024, Team Milk is making an even bigger commitment to female runners and launching the only women's marathon in the U.S., designed for and by women. The inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Hello, welcome to the Longform Podcast. I'm Max Linsky. I'm here with my co-hosts, Evan Ratliff and Aaron Lammer. Gentlemen, hello. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Is this the quick intro or the longer one? Whatever you feel like. Right. It's, the, li- it's the fuck up one. I'd like to say this is a redo. Yeah. After, um, I'm, did, I, listen, did, I apologize, man. I apologize. I brought, I'm sorry. I brought, um, I brought my, my, all my go- most gold material to, yeah. a, to an intro, and uh, it I, was the wrong sponsor. I ruined I ruined what was probably the best intro we've ever done. Yeah. Uh, when we released the like DVD director's cut extra of the long form podcast box set, it's be available. Yeah. It's going into the volume. Yeah. Blooper reels. Yeah. yeah, it's in the vault. It's the greatest work we've ever done. Vinyl only. One day we'll share it with the public. But for now, who did you talk to this week? I talked to Gary Smith. Sports talk- Illustrated. Gary Smith. Man. Yes, Gary Smith of Sports Illustrated. He's uh, a legend. He really is. Uh, I think uh, we've maybe described other people as that. He is also that. Um, and I was really excited to talk to him. He retired a couple of weeks ago, and I sort of, in a panic, called him to see if he would do this because I was worried that like retiring meant he would not never like talk about his work again. We're lucky to get him. Yeah, I'm psyched. He is the uh, most uh, most winningest. Uh, National Magazine Award winner of all time. Is that correct? Well said. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yes. Well put. Yeah, all I do is win. <laughs> Unless we're playing EA Sports FIFA World Cup, in which case you quite often lose. Oh, man, the, the World Cup edition is so good. Yeah. Uh, they are a sponsor this week, EA Sports FIFA World Cup. Uh, we have been playing it nonstop. Everyone is uh, very excited to watch the World Cup, but until that starts, we are simply playing World Cup. With with the, with the up-to-date rosters. Yeah. Well, you I guys mean, got Belgium winning? I put, I placed I've been dominating big, with Poland, actually. I placed a large bet on Belgium, so... Get me some Belgium winning. How are you placing bets in the World Cup? Please, I placed it a please, year ago. Oh, please tell it on air. In Vegas. <laughs> I did it in oh, Vegas. Vegas. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Evan's got no bookie, man. Come on. <laughs> um, we got one other great sponsor. It's Tiny Letter. It's the uh, simple way to get an email newsletter off the ground. It's from the people at MailChimp who know email newsletters like no one else. I recommend that. Thanks to you for that sponsorship. Here's Max with Gary Smith. Hello, Gary Smith. Hello, Max. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Great to be here. I feel like we should divulge. It's very early in the morning. This is like uh, almost, you know, like 12 hours earlier than I've ever done one of these before. 
Yeah, this is kind of crazy. Wolf down the oatmeal, pour yep. the cup of honey vanilla tea here, and ready to roll. I got a serious cup of coffee in front of me. I'm ready. I'm really uh, excited to talk to you, and I called you right after you announced your retirement, and I want to ask you about that, but I'm going to ask you about something else first, which happened last night. I was in the office. We were supposed to talk last night, and it didn't work out, and I was here pretty late, and as someone was leaving, they were like, well, why are you still here? And, uh, and I was like, I'm going to interview Gary Smith. And I was very excited. And this, the guy I was talking to uh, is, is a magazine guy. He's, he, I, I figured he would be equally as excited, and he did not know who you are. Yeah, that's uh, that's not not that unusual. <laughs> I was super surprised, but I mean, this is a guy who who uh, lives and breathes this stuff, and um, it was really surprising to me that he didn't know who you were. How I mean, how how does that happen? Is that by design? Is that uh, <laughs> you know? Because I feel like we're living in this era where um, magazine writers and writers in general just feel this huge pressure to be a brand, you know, and uh, promote their stuff and promote themselves. And uh, it was just wild to me that, that uh, this guy didn't know who you were. Yeah, well, let's see. Kind of keep pretty low profile. Um, not hanging out in large cities or uh, not on TV that much. And, yeah, right now uh, you're in uh, Charleston, right? Charleston, South yes, Carolina? that's right. Um, and kept it to pretty much four stories a year, my whole career, um, you know, except for here and there, and um, name's pretty bland. Pretty bland. <laughs> picked, picked a pretty. My mom picked a pretty bad brand name. I guess <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Uh, you never considered, you know, like changing your name to like Smash Power or something. <laughs> never quite uh, started heading down that uh, that pathway at all. No, and uh, who knows? I, you know, that's a. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, when I was thinking about it, at first it felt like, well, maybe, you know, you were uh, pretty well established before this current moment that we're living in. But when I, even when I think about your contemporaries at Sports Illustrated, uh, you know, like the Rick Rileys of the world, it, it seems like uh, there was an avenue there for you to have a larger profile if you had wanted one. Um, maybe so, yeah. Um, in some ways, you know, I think it was might have been a bit helpful going into stories, you know, that... You can kind of come in, come in clean without any, you know, too much baggage or expectations or, you know, typecasting of any kind. So maybe it was helpful. I don't know. You know, sometimes it's helpful for people to know who you are. Maybe they might be likelier to open their door if it's some commodity than it's known. But in other cases, I think it kind of may help to quietly slip into the room. So uh, doesn't sound like you have a lot of regrets. Uh, no, no, I kind of like laying low and uh, didn't, you know, the TV stuff didn't appeal to me that much. You know, if somebody wanted to do an interview about something that was on camera, you know, that that was fine. But uh, if someone wanted to call you at your house at 730 in the morning. And ask you <laughs> that's right. You know, yeah, just let, let them on in. That's fine. But uh, wasn't seeking it. All right. Well, let's talk about um, uh, let's talk quickly about your about your retirement, because I don't. I got to be honest with you. I don't totally understand. Um, I don't even know what that looks like. Like you're you're a sixty uh, year old man, right? Correct. That is, this is early to retire, especially from a job that it, most people don't retire from. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it was just felt like it was the right time. I was, uh, and in, you know, retirement. It's it's retirement from journalism. 
is really what it is. It's not retirement from writing. I'm writing away still every day. I'm just plugged into working on some fiction here. So we'll see how that goes. No idea, but it's uh, I'm really enjoying it. And now we're just feeling more of a kind of a more lit up about uh, about the book than than another magazine story. So uh, not ruling it out that it could ever happen again, but at this point, that's really where the where the fire was uh, going to. So I just figured best to you know honor that and follow that. So that was that was the call. Is it a long time coming? Um, you know, I've been thinking about it over the course of the last last year or so, and and um, and it all just kind of just came together at that point and just said let's let's do it. You know, reading back through some interviews and stuff, you you sort of mentioned wanting to do wanting to write fiction before, and I'm not surprised to hear you say that, but I wonder whether there were any changes in journalism, any changes in the way that you were having to do your job that that uh, helped you towards that decision. Like, you know, you'd been at Sports Illustrated for over 30 years, um, and I just wonder how, how it had changed and whether any of those changes sort of, like, pushed you, pushed you to retire. You know... Um... For me, none of that had anything to do with it. It was that my job, what they, what I do, there, the magazine was letting me roll. I mean, they were great about it. They gave me the time and space to do what I do, and nothing had changed as, as far as what I do at all. So, uh, yeah, there are big changes happening out there in this field, but um, you know, hadn't caught up to me yet at this <laughs> point, and and so uh, that. You know that although that would seem to be possibly planned, it, it really didn't. I was really incredibly fortunate to have two to three months to work on every story, and you know, basically close to seven or eight thousand words of to play with, and uh, that's why it was hard, it was hard to give that up. I mean, I I knew how rare that was. I'm sure there's some people listening who uh, can't believe anyone would ever give up a gig where they were allowed to keep doing the thing that uh so few people get to do anymore yeah yeah incredibly fortunate and uh you know when other op- options came up or opportunities it was always the the realization came with it that that time and space is is a rare thing and uh don't give that away easily so i mean a couple weeks out we're talking a couple weeks after you uh your retirement was announced how are you feeling about it great now, at this point, no second thoughts. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, and uh, I'm really, uh, really happy. Are you keeping the same rhythms? You Are you writing at the same time every day? Yeah, yep. Uh, pretty much uh, every afternoon, you know, pretty much falls, say, between 2 and 7, and that's kind of the writing time. And you're enjoying the fiction? Yeah, really, really into it. Uh, uh, like I say, don't know if anybody else is going to enjoy it, but I'm really really relishing the ride here so far. Yeah, I wonder what that's like. Like, uh, you know, you've been writing for this big national magazine. You know, you knew your stories were going to get uh, attention. You sort of had this built-in audience four times a year. It's sort of easy to picture your readers, you know. I wonder what it's like to, to shift to a place where who knows if anyone's going to read it. Yeah, I mean, it is weird, a little weird realizing that, yeah, the, the readership rate could drop dramatically. Um, but I never really pictured readers when I wrote uh it was always kind of just me and my headspace you know and and uh just looking for what really fascinated me about a story um and you know that's to me that was always kind of a guiding light not to uh 
be targeting any certain, you know, thinking of any end result where, who this was for, or what, it, what, it, or what I thought someone else thought the story should be. It was always like, what part of the story really fascinates me, and how can I best serve that? And just figuring it if, if it didn't fascinate me, and how was I going to fascinate a reader with it? So, a lot of times that meant <clears throat> laying aside certain aspects of the story that you know, that were valid aspects and that might have been what lit up somebody somebody else. But, you know, just deciding to kind of let that, let those pieces of it go in order to just find what in the story, where is the heartbeat for me, what really intrigues me about this situation or person. Um, so that was kind of the, the guiding light along the way. There are uh, There are so many stories that we could talk about um, I guess maybe before we dive into any of them, I, I'm I'm interested to hear you try and describe what it was, generally what the th- what the themes were, what the things that made your heart beat, what what pulled you to a story, what attracted you to a story. Well, you know, very generally, because each story had a specificity about it, but generally, you know, you could say the idea of like what stance or strategy a human being took in life and it, you know and most of that a lot of that's unconsciously how they were going to stand vis-a-vis the world and and their the conditions around them on the ground and and then how that was going to play out because any choice you make or any stance you take against with the world there's going to be gains and there's going to be losses and what those trade-offs are and so you'd hopefully a lot of often the pieces get inside the person's head and and get a sense of why they were or felt they had to be that way. But then you'd also kind of swirl outside of them and see how that manifested in the world, hopefully, and the positives or possibly the negatives, you know, were, how that played out uh, by taking that, 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 that strategy or that coping mechanism with the world. Yeah, I mean, over and over again in your work, you... you um sort of inhabit people's minds. Uh, and w- one of the things that struck me reading back through your stuff is just uh, there's so much confidence there, you know? <laughs> there's so much confidence in that writing um, to know what people were thinking or, 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 or believe you know what people were thinking. And, and uh, I mean, how do you get there? How much time are you spending with these people? How, how does that process work that you feel like uh, when you sit down to write that you've got to write? Um, you know, it's mostly through exhaustive reporting. It's, you know, a lot of questions. I'd, I'd wear people out. I'd just, you know, spend a lot of time with them and then as much or more time often afterwards on the phone with them, you know, just really getting to, to these things. Just, at, just When I would come home from the story, I'd just be looking at a pile of notes and, and typing them all into my laptop and putting them into different categories you know, it might be chronological or, or thematic categories, but I would, uh, I, a lot, as I was doing that, a lot of things would really starting to become into focus about what mattered about the story, and that would just set off a whole new, new rounds and waves of questions, which I'd be jotting down as, as I went through that process. So I'd be calling the person back, you know, a number of times afterwards, to really get in, you know, inside their head, exactly what they were thinking, feeling, and 
different moments so that you could kind of be there and write from there with with authority. Hey, it's Max. I'm going to pause things for just a second and uh, tell you a little bit about our sponsor this week, EA Sports FIFA World Cup. It is the uh, soccer video game to which Aaron and I are completely addicted. Uh, It has a special resonance in this moment as the actual World Cup approaches. Uh, We are playing more than we normally do, which was already a disturbing amount. Um, EA Sports has been kind enough to give us some games to give away to you, the listeners. So send me an email editors at longform.org put ea sports fifa world cup in the subject line and the first seven people who email will get a free copy of this great game i will go to the post office i will put a game in an envelope i will send it to your door and you too can play before the world cup during the world cup after the world cup ea sports fifa world cup will come to you for free so send me an email editors at longform.org uh, first seven people will get a game. Thanks very much to EA for sponsoring us. And let's get back to Gary Smith. But on some level, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, a lot of people you've written about have said um, he saw me in ways that I didn't see myself, you know. Uh, so it's not like you can just ask people what they were thinking. It feels like at some point you, uh, you're, you've been able to get deeper on people than they are with themselves well you know some you know hopefully you gain some understanding how the world works through experience through reading a lot you know and travel and putting yourself in all kinds of experiences and thinking about what it means what it's what it feels like what what's really going on here underneath the skin of it so having some instincts and some experience um, can help you guide you to what it feels like to be in different moments, different situations, different binds. So, you know, sometimes I would just imagine what it would feel like to be in a situation and that would, that would help me to ask questions to, to, to check on if that's what it was for the person. So it wouldn't be, you know, what you'd normally would maybe ask at first, but if you just sat and really kind of imagined being in a situation you could it would almost create questions that you could then ask the person about, and then a lot of times you would get stuff from them that you hadn't initially gotten on the first go around talking about it. And also a lot of times it would be asking somebody the same question four or five times and rephrasing it slightly, and finally you'd get more of the truth. So that that worked out for me a lot, and um, and so yeah, it was just. Um, hopefully knowing something about the human condition and, and, you know, it's a subject that fascinates me that I'm talking about with friends all the time. And you start to get some feel for, for what choices and trade-offs are in life and the feeling tones around them. I mean, I'm, I, I may not be totally answering your question, but um, best as I can do right now. <laughs> that was more of an answer than I, than I was even looking for. I mean, I'm, I'm, are you were you thinking about someone specific or or is that just sort of generally how you approached it like did you have someone in your mind just now i i was thinking about richie parker when you were talking about that huh no i had no one in specific in mind but was there but go ahead and ask a specific question if one pops well richie parker is uh 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 was a high school basketball star in uh new york city who got 
uh, arrested for sexual assault and uh, then went through this sort of uh, incredible process of coming very close to getting into many colleges only to have uh, his sort of admission revoked. And the thing about that story, which uh, is, is one of like the more sort of famous ones that you've done, it gets there with him uh, trying to understand the position he's in, also understand, trying to understand the position the victim is in, also trying to understand the position these college presidents are in and basketball coaches. And at the end, part of it is like everyone is screwed. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there, and then what's your question? <laughs> <laughs> I should have one. I should have one. I just, I, that story so fresh in my mind that when you're talking about trying to get there with folks, I guess, well, it, using that story as an example maybe of both what draws you to a story, but also how you try and um, empathize with the characters. What, do, you, do you remember the genesis of that one and, and, and why you kind of wanted to like uh, stick your finger in the middle of that very painful situation? Um, I had a friend, a really a good friend who's uh, really smart, and he, uh, he happened to be living in New York, and he just caught a whiff of this story. He, he, you know, every other day there was a, seemed like there was a back page headline about about Richie Parker and uh, this kid who'd been involved in a sexual assault and how this was playing out in uh, in the world and just how every college that came near him, how it just seemed to blow up. And so he just started sending me copies. You know, for a couple of weeks I was getting New York Post or whatever in there and just said, this this would be a great story for you. And uh, his name is Cal Fussman and he... Uh, so I, so I, I mean, just started looking at that. I said, you know, he's right. <laughs> so I just uh, jumped into the story, and just it was fascinating that obviously there was a raw nerve to being touched in this story, and it was saying so much about America and sports and our obsession with them, and where that leads us, you know, unconsciously a lot of times, and um, how it doubles back on us and. A lot of times, a lot of us were in it up to our ears and not really thinking about these things so much. And I just thought it not only stood for a lot for just the, spe- the specifics of it, you know, this whole the, the sexual nature of this, sto- this story, but just in so many different ways how athletes and our love for sports, how where it leads us and... uh and, you know, and all the very complicated, tangled things it takes us into. And what we love it for isn't that at all, really, but we end up there and, and how much we kind of have to divorce ourselves from that or pretend it away or turn and face it. And just the honesty that that requires or just the saying, screw it, and I'm watching ball game for two hours and I don't want to think about any of that stuff. Right. It just goes to a an interesting place in the human mind that that kind of manifests in a lot of different aspects of living besides sports. There's a lot about like that. If you really think about that issue, how it plays out in a human being, uh, you could take this to a lot of different arenas besides sports. So just to follow that trail, to walk down that trail and see everywhere you go and just bring to the surface onto the table that which kind of happens subliminally so much for people and then just just keep turning the stone and seeing all the different faces of it uh, and you could kind of do it through all the just different people who had, had these encounters with Richie Parker mm-hmm. 
through his young life. And, you know, you could go from the person, the high school principal who's trying to help him redeem his life. There's so much about redemption in sports. We love it for that. And so, you know, you could go from her incredibly well-intentioned desires and all the different snags that put her into and then, you know, just keep walking that road to the victim, to the, the the kid's girlfriend, to the 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 young coach who's trying to to start a program somewhere in the middle of the desert, to a to the older coach who's got a shot at a, just re really taking his career to a really big milestone. You know, if he gets another extra great player, the likelihood of that taking him there. To uh, a university president who's got this big vision and believes in redemption. To the reporter who, what was going on for the reporter who kept returning to the story and following it when others probably would have let it, let it go. And it just, um, you could just keep following this baby everywhere. And it just everywhere, it would just spoke to something else about America sports and human human beings and I, I wonder how you don't how you avoid drawing your own conclusions or letting your own uh, perspective or judgments um, enter into how you experience those people and experience this kind of story like um, th- this thing was getting covered everywhere uh, there was a very firm kind of narrative around the story uh, and it feels like one of those things um, that anyone who comes into contact with is going to feel passionately about one way or the other. And I wonder how you approach something like that, how you uh, avoid walking into a situation with some preconceived notions about uh, right and wrong, and also how you keep open to that vagueness uh, as you as you go through your reporting, as you, as you stay open to all these complexities and contradictions and um, these people on all these various sides who feel so passionately i think for me it was you know it, it was having a an understanding and how complex life is and how complex human beings are and that it's rarely just one thing or black and white that uh, the more i kind of looked explored the world it seemed the more it it dawned on me just how complex it is and just how whenever you came up with one answer to something you, you usually you'd been led astray, you know, that there is, it's such a mixture of thing that goes on into human beings and their choices. And that there was, that was terrain for a, you know, that, that was true. And B was also the terrain of really, really good writing was to explore that ambiguity, that paradox, the contradictions, the, the swirl. Um, and that when you sifted out the swirl and just kind of, brought it down to this or that, that you were really, you basically you're wrong, you know, that, that, <laughs> that, and so to me, it just was more service of truth to look at the swirl and really try to capture the, the swirl of things going on. And it was also, you know, what seemed at first that, that paradox and contradiction would be, you know, paralyzing as a writer because you wouldn't know where to go with it. That, you know, in my really early years, I can remember one point thinking, gosh, anything you say, the opposite could be true. And you're like, <laughs> so, but then realizing that that, that paradox and ambiguity was really the gold mine for writing. 
So to go there, embrace it, seek it, and... Um, and then sit in it. Yes, yeah, sit in it, and just let a, sit the reader in it. Really let the reader just sit there and, and realize, God, life is complicated. <laughs> it's not easy, and there are choices that we make or feel we have to make that solve one problem but open up a whole hornet's nest of another problem. That's like a, such an incredible place to go with sports writing because I feel like that the appeal, what you're talking about, like the uh, sitting on the couch and watching the game for two hours, the whole appeal is that someone wins and someone loses. It's pretty right. black and white. It's uh, <laughs> exactly. non, non-ambiguous. Yes, and so, but that, and both of those things are going on us at once. If we, we sit there for two and a half hours and watch a game and it just clarifies in the black and white at the buzzer, you know, yeah, that's all clean, and that's kind of what we sought from it. And but then, and that person that we made the the villain or put the black hat on uh, as a result of that that drive and us, if we keep him in at arm's length, we can stay right there. But if he walks into our door and we sit with him and we talk with him for four hours over, you know, six pack of beer, or, you know, they, all of a sudden things are going to start coming up that if we're open and honest to, are going to start to make us realize a lot, there's all the contradictions come in the door and are we going to be open to them or we can keep shutting them off, but that's not really authentic either. Yeah. Let's have, there are moments for those two and a half hours of the black and white, but why not? If, if we're on this planet, you know, also take the 45 minutes to sit with a story where we let all that other the complexity in and it's human being to human being, not cardboard cutout figure, cutout figure there on the TV screen with no life, no world inside of his head, uh, no past. Why sports, Gary? Like, like, um, like what you're talking about feels like a, like a, uh, not just like a philosophy of journalism, but like a philosophy of life. And I just, I wonder what drew you to writing about, um, writing about sports, but, uh, writing about everything but what happens on the field or the court? I would challenge that a bit. It's not everything but. You want to see how it manifests somewhat in their, in their, in the arena. And tell me every time I say something dumb or wrong. No, no, it's not. It's not no, it's, you, 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 there's a lot of truth to what you just said, but I just wanted to throw in the little proviso that uh, hopefully you see somewhat how it plays out in their in the field they've chosen, but, um, well, sorry, sorry. So for you, it is about like diving deep off the, off the field of the court and then, and then seeing how that stuff manifests itself. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to see kind of how it manifested everywhere, you know, where whatever your, your field of expertise was, if it was sports or basketball, whatever, see how it plays out there, but also, you know, in the living room, in the kitchen, in the bedroom, in your office, in the locker room, you know, just to really get a sense of, how being whoever you are plays in the world. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, would, would you'd have a sense of you know that human being and what it, you know sitting inside a, a car with them, you know traveling across the country would feel like, you know sharing a locker room, all the little nuances, how that that plays out. You're not going to hit every one of them, but the, that's your general intention. Um, which meant casting a pretty wide fishing net when I'd go into a story. I'd really want to get a sense, you know, of all that and then try to connect the dots if I could. Let's talk about the, the like, practicalities of how you would approach these things. I'm interested in uh, if you are going to write about the villain 
you know, how how you get that person to split the six pack with you. <laughs> First of all, it's walking in without a sense of judgment. I think people pick that up that you you know that you're there to understand them and this this situation you're in, whatever it is, to understand it rather than judge it. That I think that's pretty large. Um, going in there with with the earnest you know intention of just really understanding what it's like to be in that person's socks you know just to walk around in the world even just getting the time is hard right i mean even just getting even even getting them to give you the time to show them that you're interested seems like a challenge um it was pretty obvious what the kind of length that i was going for and that i you know i'd pretty establish it going into the story that it's going to take some some real time i write long stories and so if the people signed on, then we we're hopefully they had a pretty good idea because I didn't try to hide that at all. And, you know, offered them, invite, invited them to go read other pieces or whatever to get a sense of the depth. You don't know who I am. I'm Gary Smith. If you want to read these pieces, you can do that. <laughs> so there was like a negotiation almost? Well, not really a negotiation, but, you know, I write long stories. You know, I usually come out, you know, spend a week, week and a half. And then, you know probably some phone calling as well and and so uh i think they had a pretty good idea as you going in but um, but then it ended up i'm sure always being more than they even thought so uh i'll add that as well but uh it's going in there with an open mind and really trying to get a sense of who they are and it's learning to walk that rope of being of being objective and subjective of having keeping an open heart to another human being but also being able to step back in the writing and see how that plays out in the world. So you're not giving them a free pass, but you're also not closing your heart off and being the stone-hearted journalist, journalist writing from a million miles away. I think that's not a true approach either. I think it's the challenge is to walk, walk that tightrope and get the reader to feel both, feel what it is to be inside this person's flesh and face what they faced so you understand where they've ended up but also to step outside and see how that plays out in the world and how it tallies up really um, so that you're you're getting both the subjective and objective feel for for life as it's lived were there moments when you stayed open to it and what you found was really dark? I mean, uh, put, put like more cynically, uh, was anyone just an asshole? <laughs> you know, once, once you really dove deeper and deeper into a person, you always got to this soft soil that, you know, you just, just have some feeling for how a person ended up making the choices that they did. And that doesn't mean that you give them a free pass or rationalize them away or any of that. But I, I really, I, nothing's coming to the top of my head of like, you just, you know, that person is, there's no possible explanation for a human being to be, to be the way you are, you know? So, uh, but you know, so it's, it was keeping an open heart and really trying to, to get to that place and where you got the information that really made sense of it. How did that approach to, journalism evolved for you i mean when like when you were covering like prep sports in philly were you um trying to get at the sort of like 
you know, root empathy with, you know, a, a like high school quarterback. I mean, like I'm, I'm interested in how you got there and, yeah. and, and also how, um, how you got there in the rest of your life. Like, you know, it sounds to me, it sounds to me like this is not something that you can necessarily turn on and turn off. I and mean, this is, this is the way of being in the world. Yeah. I think that's a pretty accurate statement. I mean, it's something that grows and hopefully deepens, but I think I was probably tilted that way early on. And, you, you know, obviously the high school quarterback that you had 20 minutes with after a game, and it's not going to play out so much. Uh, but when you started to, to really have sit down time with people over the long haul, that is going to, all those inclinations are going to play out more. And, and, and with that, just, you know, the, just the growing interest in it. So that would really compelled me to, to be reading, reading with an eye for that stuff. And, uh, and, you know, just being drawn more and more to psychological fiction, based fiction, and and then the philosophy and the things that really just kept taking it further and further of what what the human condition is and why we do what we do and um, and so and then and traveling a lot too and thinking about that stuff I mean just putting myself in a lot of different situations and you know writing in a journal about it and thinking and just just casting yourself out there and thinking and watching what happens and, and pulling it apart. I mean, people are just, some people are just, you know, built more that way where that really interests them. And for writing purposes, I think that's kind of the mind seemingly that, you know, to cultivate, I'm sure there's all different ways of approaching this thing and there's other aspects you could do. But for me, that just seemed like it all was hand in glove with, with the, the, the career path I was on. It was just—it was just always the way you were wired. Pretty much, yeah. That, that always was what what in, in, intrigued me. But but the more I read, the more I read and, and traveled and experienced, the more the more complex it got, and which made it even more interesting. But uh, it just doors started opening to aspects of of all this that I hadn't considered, you know, in my twenties. Is there a story? Is there a moment? Uh, is there like a period in your career where um, you remember sort of feeling like? Uh, like, all right, like I'm start, I'm starting to hit it. Like I'm starting to hit my, I'm starting to hit my stride here. Um, you know, I think it started at, um, maybe toward like the late eighties or early nineties. You know, there was a realization that I could use some techniques that you see more in fiction and then use them in nonfiction that it had, it had real payoff that, uh, you could kind of, sit and feel something with the character more instead of seeing him from a distance the way you do more in classic journalism or reporting. Um, I wonder uh, how how folks respond to these stories, how folks respond to uh, getting um, psychologically profiled in the way that you do. And, and, and you know, you've written both about uh, people, athletes who will sort of never be in the national media again, and you've written about Mike Tyson and Mia Hamm and uh, Muhammad Ali and uh, I mean I, I'm just I'm interested in the aftermath you know do do uh, do people call you up after it comes out and want to tear your head off do they want to give you a hug do you stay in touch with people how's it work <laughs> um, all varieties of those <laughs> responses uh, um, not so no, not so much people want to tear my head off uh, 
but uh, but I'm sure I have no doubt that uh, it was a very mixed bag, and it's you know when you read something like that, it, and and uncomfortable at times, I would think, um, uh, getting into places that uh, some stories, a lot of stories, may not, and so uh, I kind of lay back. That's been my approach to it. I'll lay back and see, let them kind of dictate. Some have called me and have, you know, stayed in touch and even have come visited. Uh, others, you know, I've never heard from again, have no clue <laughs> what that what that meant. You know, I don't assume necessarily it was negative, but maybe it was, um, I guess, maybe a mixed bag. People like Radio, for example, that, that he became a, a, a lifelong figure, you know, he ended up staying in my house. Really? Uh, yeah, and so I uh, had a lot of funny moments with Radio. Uh, in the time after that story came out. What was your experience of the movie? It was amazing to see uh, an army of human beings materialize with, you know, in a town and then take over a town and change all the storefronts. And Were you happy with the end result? Um, yeah. I mean, the movie, it's, it's funny. I, I went back and saw it about a year ago at the 10th year of the film festival. And it... Uh, it really kind of ch- it choked me up. I suppose it was, it was amazing. It was being away from it for so long, for some reason, it uh, it really kind of, I was tearing up watching it. How much of yourself do you give to these stories and to the people you're writing about? Uh, you know, there were times, you know, writing Jim Valvano's story, you know, I'd spent time with him and he was only a few months from dying and, and knew it and, you know, had two teenage daughters and just I think for what makes a story really work is when you let yourself be in that position that the, that a person's in. Um, imagine it, feel it, and um, and that you know I don't see how it's going to that's going to come out in the writing and be conveyed to a reader if you don't feel it. And so to close those doors and windows off inside yourself is only going to to me hurt the writing and work against you. So. Yeah, you know, I'd be I'd be tearing up sometimes at the at the laptop writing the, the Volvano story, just know, knowing you know he, he, this guy is staring down the barrel of death, and we all will be or can be or will be in that spot. And so, just to shut yourself off, wall that off from yourself, to me, that's you know what what's the end result of that? And. and- how much of that would you share with the subjects? I mean, I'm, I have this <laughs> this uh, image of you splitting a six pack with Mike Tyson, you know, and, and I'm just wondering <laughs> how. Was, I think it was white wine with Tyson, surprisingly enough. <laughs> really? All right, good to know. <laughs> um, I'll file that away. Yeah, you wouldn't have. I wouldn't have anticipated that one, but that's 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 where he went. But anyway, go ahead. That's what they call a telling detail. Yes. <laughs> One that I probably didn't use in the story, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm interested about how you who how you carry yourself in that in that moment when you're when you're splitting a bottle of wine with Tyson, um, and and whether you're uh, you know going into stories about your own life. I, I'm also interested in uh, in your thoughts and your approach to to asking difficult questions and asking awkward questions and and. How you got over that? Well, you know, the really difficult, awkward questions, you, you don't ask them when you walk in the front door on the first day, yeah, that's for sure. Um, you hope there's some rapport built up and the person understands, you know, what your overall intent is um, and has more feel for who you are 
before you start going there and uh, don't back away from asking those questions and sometimes again rephrasing and asking that difficult question two or three different ways so you get beyond the pat answer that was kind of how I would approach that and sometimes you know you'd talk to someone close to them about that issue and then you could kind of bring it walk in that doorways that way like your your brother Phil says that you know and then you're, you're kind of coming at it from something that's known and familiar for the person uh, is another way to approach that and um, you had part one of that question was a little bit different I'm trying to remember what it was it was about uh, it was about how how uh, how you just generally handle yourself in those moments when you're getting to know somebody and how how much of yourself you're putting out there oh yeah 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 um, yeah I wouldn't you know I would just really pick spot pick my spots with that I wasn't looking to put my life on the table if they you know if they showed any interest I was wide open about talking about it um, you know responding to any questions they had or if there's something that just you know just felt human like something was arising in the conversation or in front of us as we were doing something together that you know was appropriate to something that I you know an experience I'd had if it felt natural yeah I might bring it up but you know wasn't kind of going in there with my story being you know being at the top of the agenda that was definitely way down on the priority list and uh we started talking about this earlier and uh and I feel like maybe I didn't I didn't ask the question quite as clearly as I could have which what I wanted to ask was why sports and not politics or hollywood or war or or whatever I, I took your question and kind of hijacked it down a different road but anyway um in the, in the beginning I, it was because I loved sports as a kid I loved sports and loved writing and they were just the most natural marriage to put the two together and my mom, you know, when I was 16, got me, went, bumped into the sports editor, the local Wilmington, Delaware News Journal, and and uh, asked him if uh, I could come in there and just do any menial job, and that's and he agreed, and that's how I got got in the door. Um, after that, as time went on, a sports allowed a creativity that I loved. I mean, I could push the envelope more, and probably in sports than I might have been able to, and other you know arenas of journalism um, there was a freedom there so that was a piece of why why stay here and then at a certain point you know when my interest became more in human beings and what made them tick it really I, I just came to find more and more because I did stories about other people you know on the side I did some stories for for Life magazine and Rolling Stone right. Esquire and and uh, you know, loved it, but I, but kind of once it was in the terrain of the human psyche, it, I just kind of didn't really matter that much what the person did. That was just you know where it was going to play out. But what I was really interested in was kind of below that or beyond that in some ways. So, so here I had this magazine that was offering me this incredible opportunity to to have that kind of time and space. And and so why walk away from that? I knowing that to have rare that is and that what I was really going for it didn't really matter so much what the person was doing I gotta tell you Gary it's uh it's kind of funny to hear you rhetorically ask why would I walk away from that <laughs> yeah it's funny um yeah as long as I was going to be doing journalism why would I walk away from that yeah let me uh, clarify <laughs> yeah, important caveat <laughs> right well as you look back on these these 30 plus years at Sports Illustrated 
Um, who are the who are the people who stick out to you, and and what, which are the stories that that stick out to you? I mean, you've done uh, so many, you've written about so many people. Who who still sticks with you? Well, a lot of them do. Um, you know, radio I mentioned because we've seen a lot of them. We've had them, you know, sleep, slept in our third top floor of our and dancing in the middle of the night and pounding through the ceiling when my wife and I were trying to sleep at 3 a.m. So that radio definitely sticks with us. Uh, John Malingoni from a story called Damned Yankee uh, about a guy who accidentally at age five threw a homemade javelin into the head of his uncle, who was also his best friend, who was only two years older than him. John's a sweetheart of a person and stayed in our lives. So in some ways, it's the people who kind of stick around that those stories kind of rise up because they're fresh they stay with you the person's calling you on the phone and coming to your door so those two and you know are up there as far as that and you know the, the Muhammad Ali entourage story is is up there and, yeah uh, Tyson yeah I don't know there's just there's a there's this whole slew of stories that uh kind of you know, have a fond place uh, in memory here. What was Ali like? Ali was great, just a sweetheart. I mean, uh, you just, you know, you go to the bathroom in his house and all of a sudden you find yourself locked in the bathroom and you're wondering how the hell you locked yourself in and then you realize finally when you hear that cackle that he's holding the door shut on you and um, the pranks that uh, you have had with, with him, I mean, uh, I was on the Santa Monica freeway, and he's it's, we're driving 70 miles an hour, and he's his eyes are drifting asleep, like he's the you know the medication for Parkinson's would do that to him, and and I'm thinking, oh crap, you know we're weaving between lanes, our cars are honking, and uh, I'm wondering in the passenger seat, should I grab the wheel from you know the greatest champ of all time, and and uh, and and you know after about five minutes of this, and I'm. The writer and me wants to let it go and let the crash happen to so I can have a scene for the story. And the, but it, the human in me is just getting scared as hell. And and then finally, from behind, his 12-year-old son, his skinny arms come over Ali's shoulders and take the wheel and drive for the next several minutes down the Santa Monica freeway. And and just not knowing what, what happened there. Is that was that a prank they played a hundred times on people or what? You know, <laughs> really fond memories of Ali. Uh, and, you know, starting as a cub reporter at 26 when I went up to, to Deer Lake where he trained, and I thought I'd be in the, in the midst of a, a herd of reporters and just kind of write my notes down. Uh, I was the only guy there, and he's dead tired. He'd just done a long workout, and he just w- let me in, and what do you want? And just gave me a couple hours of just wow. just me and him. So anyway, you know, great memories of Ali. Are there other memories that stick out, Gary? There's a zillion memories. I mean, there's memories of Tyson walking up to meet him and putting out my hand, introducing myself, and him just walking away and leaving my hand in the air <laughs> and just prowling like a, like a jaguar back and forth in this, this room upstairs of the, the Catskills, the fire hall where he trained. Because um, he was unhappy with the kind of white wine you brought? <laughs> Good question. Um, no, just kind of unhappy with it. He had to do a story that he, I, you know, he, he obviously must have agreed to it. Or I don't know if his agent had agreed to it or what the heck had happened. But uh, he just prowled like a cat, and I'm like trying to talk my way into like something I thought was all set up. And you know, I just start rambling about a closed circuit fight that I'd seen in the Duran and fought, and uh, how much it fascinated me and. 
and being in that scenario and that smoky swirl of a, of a closed circuit with a great fight on and what that feeling was like and him just like slowing down bit by bit and just kind of then engaging with the conversation and then and then it was off to the races with him it was uh, you know a crazy week and a half and uh, just him with his hands plunged into some overcoat and just going from rant to puppy dog in a in a in a heartbeat you know with his arm locked around your head and and then then and then but then just it, at that drop of a hat, explosive anger about something about the world and going into these raving, you know, ranting. It was so, anyway, just all kind of memories about all these people, even Agassiz, just a great, never had worked with a person who, who um, jumped in and wanted to figure himself out as much as I did and just kind of got in. So it was kind of like working elbow to elbow with somebody right. that across the table with him, like he, he really wanted to figure out where he was at in his life and why it had gotten where why he was there, and um, so that was great to have somebody kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel, coming up with anecdotes and tr- trying to explore them together with you about what that meant. Do you ever uh, wonder about being a psychiatrist instead? <laughs> um, you know, I never really had any strong desire to go do that, but I, I it, that, but the work intrigues me greatly, and I, I'm interested in that stuff, and listen to podcasts about that that stuff, read about all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's fascinating to me the human mind, and well, it sounds like um, your work was sort of a form of therapy. Uh, some profess to feel that way. I'm sure others <laughs> felt more like, you know, their, their molars were coming out of their mouth. Yeah. But uh, um, there are some similarities, can be some similarities in the process. You know, when you're sitting down and really getting people to dredge up what's down there and then sifting through it and talking about the possibilities of why that's sitting there. Um, there's some there's some real overlap there. There's no doubt about it. Last question, then I'll I'll let you go. Um, I don't know. It sounds like there's still some uh, there's still some some what was the phrase you were using earlier? There, there's still some fire there. <laughs> yeah, well, there's definitely uh, that that interest is not even dimly dimmed. I mean, um, there's uh, there's that's definitely still there, and uh, I'll be bringing that to the table of. <laughs> With my wife at dinner on you know on a Saturday night, or with uh, my good friend who we get together and talk about this kind of stuff uh, every week, and uh, and with uh, any of the characters that wander across the landscape of fiction, it'll be applying that that too. And so uh, that that's definitely still that lamp still burning. Uh, that's good to hear, man. As a uh... I was worried that the answer to that question was going to be, uh, I'm done with all this stuff. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, uh, that'll probably be happen when they, uh, they shovel me into the hole. I don't know. Well, Gary, thank you. Uh, thank you for the 30 years of stories, and, and thank you for taking the time. My pleasure, Max. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Long Form. I'm Max Linsky. My co-hosts are Aaron Lammer and Evan Ratliff. 
Our editor is Jenna Weiss-Berman. Our intern this week, Sarah Button. Thanks very much to our sponsors, Tiny Letter and EA Sports FIFA World Cup. And thanks very much to Gary Smith for uh, not only taking time out of his retirement to talk to me, but doing so at 7.30 in the morning. We'll be back next week. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.